0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com.
2: Welcome to Processing, a show about the intersection of food and grief with your hosts, me, Zara Tengora, and my mother, Bobby, who is not here for the intro but folks fear not as you know we'll be here for the episode um and what an episode it is today guys we have a really great guest today on the show a friend of ours adam israelis and adam joins us to talk about multiple losses that he's had throughout his life including an early loss of his father a loss of a dear friend in a car accident and the loss of his mother seven years ago to pancreatic cancer um, Adam is such a warm and lovely person and it was such an easy conversation to have and it was interesting, it was touching, it was emotional and, uh, yeah, it was just a a really, really rich conversation and we loved speaking with Adam, we're so grateful to him. Um, a couple things we didn't get to mention in the episode, we did briefly men- mention the Lost Garden Foundation, and that's a great organization that funds pancreatic cancer research. Um, and then also, we wanted to mention um, an organization to support. It's a nonprofit to, uh, that was started um, in behalf on behalf of Adam's friend Steve, who passed away in an accident with Adam. Um, and they fund scholarships uh, at their high school, Harborfields High School in Long Island. Um, The organization is um, MallyMemorial.org. So it's www.MallyMemorial.org. And they have a charity golf outing uh, in June at Crab Meadow Golf Course. And um, yeah, so please check that out. And uh, incidentally, Crab Meadow Golf Course is down the street from uh, where I grew up northport as we will discuss in the episode our long island roots folks there's talk of greek salad and more on this very long island episode uh and this very sweet and very touching episode of processing so we will give you uh without any further ado add it mistralis and don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the show and please reach out to us uh, if you'd like to be a guest okay thank you so much and take care of yourselves and each other bye Well, folks, we have an amazing episode today. Uh, it's our first episode with a guest back in, since our break began and then ended. And we are joined by friend Adam Istralis. Adam, hello. Hi.
3: How are you guys? Thanks for having me.
2: Oh, it's our pleasure. Friend and actually a uh, uh, Long Islander.
3: Yes. Yes. Uh, I grew up in Centerport, New York, um, sort of between Huntington and Northport. Uh, and so I think we're, we were, unbeknownst to me, we were neighbors growing up. Um, we so, must have passed yeah. each
4: other a thousand times. <laughs> I
3: think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I we, Zara and I figured it out like over the summer. I think when I when I was I had I was with my kids in Northport and posted it, and she was like, "That's where I grew up," mm-hmm. um, which was shocking and interesting. Yeah, I
2: know it's so awesome because like being from being an Islander is one thing, and then when you're from the island, it's like kind of like, well, where are you from in Long Island? Because like there's you know little. Kind of regional yeah. uh, differences within like Long Island in general, and it's oh totally, totally. yeah. It was awesome I, to I, find I, out
3: that we were from the same place. Yeah, and I never tell people that I'm from Centerport because they don't know where that is. I tell them I'm from Huntington, and then some people are like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's a, I like the downtown there. It's really nice." Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there was
2: a restaurant which I don't know if you. I'm sure you remember it, obviously, if you're from Centerport. But mom, you had didn't you have your
4: wedding dinner Tang, there t- or Tang Ting? Right, it was no. What was Tang it? Tang. Tang.
3: Right. Uh, I have so many great memories from Tung Tang. We used to go there for Chinese New Year um, because they did like this whole, they did, they, they brought out everything. They did like the traditional dragon dances and stuff like that. And, and my, my, we, my parents, we didn't, uh, my dad was not like a giant fan of eating out. Um, we went to a few places, uh, but Tung Teng was one of them. And I have like such great memories. There was a piano player, yes, right, um, piano they player. Had, they had this amazing aquarium, right? Um, the fish and now tank. now it's gone. They, yeah, they knocked it down. It's like it, it didn't even turn into something else. They just they knocked, it knocked it down. They knocked it down it's and gone. they
4: put an eagle's nest there instead. <laughs> yes, there yeah, are yeah, eagles yeah, that go there. The,
3: the, yes, the, there's there's a there's a, a, a like a little motel around the chalet motor inn, but mm-hmm. um, but but Tung ting is gone, which is very sad to me. I I heard that there used to be like a very famous restaurant there before Tung ting, like a. A steakhouse or something like that, but I don't know if it was further up the true. street.
4: It was further up the street. What that used to oh, be okay. was a catering hall, and it was actually where oh. I was married in 1971.
3: No way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. About- yeah. 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 Oh, wow, that's yeah. amazing. So I had no idea,
4: yeah. But you're thinking of, um, oh, I can't think of the name, now, but it was a very well known in the 50s and 60s, and all the families went. Link's, they to cabin. Link's log Cabin. Link Slide Cabin. There
3: you go, Zara. That's it. Ah, See, I have to ask him my stepfather um, has lived in Centerport for probably, oh, I mean, at this point, 50 plus years. Mm. So he, he moved there in the, I don't know about the 50s, but I think the 60s or 70s. Um, so I'll have to ask him about that.
2: That's amazing. I'm, go- I'm glad we share this. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell we love our hometown.
4: Yeah. We do. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Yes.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting, we were talking going back to actually talking about Tung Ting, is that you know, it's fun to remember this, like, oh, they had a piano player and like, you know, the adults would smoke cigarettes at the bar where the kids drank Shirley Temple's and (laughs) stuff. And it's like so fun remembering it. But also it's like, I always think this about restaurants and like food in general is that it also serves as like these trail markers in time. You know what I mean? Because maybe you forget like what you did on an average Tuesday when you were nine years old, but you might be like, oh, I remember Tang Tang, and then I remember being nine, and I remember how I felt when I was nine. And it's like these these wonderful kind of markers in time. I think, you know, of course, different things can serve as that, but I think restaurants in particular and food memories are so rich with that and so important for that reason. I
3: I couldn't agree more. Yeah, especially because we didn't, like, we... Like I said, we, we didn't really go out to dinner a lot when I was a kid. I think we did more as I got a bit older, and I certainly do. I feel like my kids were super spoiled. Dinner, like, <laughs> I but, I mean, we it was just a few and far between. Um, and so I, I remember that I have the, a lot of those really strong memories. I even remember going to Tang with another friend you know, at some point there and he, he was eating sushi because they also serve sushi, uh-huh. which is, you know, and, and I was like, what is that? <laughs> um, and, and he introduced me to sushi there. So like a, a lot of, yeah, yeah, a lot of, a lot of those trail markers for sure.
2: Yeah. It's important. So, you know, talk to us a little bit more Adam, um, about your kind of early family life. You had a loss at a very young age and yeah. Tell us about that.
3: My father passed away when I was four. Wow. Um, and, uh, and then my mother, um, actually met my father, my stepfather, I call him my stepfather, my my father. So I'll try not to do that and confuse people. Um, but my mother met my stepfather a year later at a widow and widower support group because he also lost his wife at the same time. Um, and then they got married a couple of years later when I was seven. So that's actually when I moved to Centerport before that I I was in Holbrook Mm -hmm. on Long Island.
4: That's such a special thing when, um, in a crisis, something wonderful can come out of it. So if, yeah. may we ask, how did your dad pass?
3: Yeah, so he, it's, it's, I was that's not interesting, but he, um, he came home one night and he keeled over, I was sleeping, uh, he had a cerebral hemorrhage. Mm. Um, and when they subsequently figured out that he had had cancer that was undiagnosed, um, and my mother said that it, at least from what they told her, that it started as testicular cancer, which to me is you know, particularly tragic because it's so treatable. Right. Um, but now as a, as a, as a grown up, I'm kind of like, was it testicular? Like, how could you not have known? And, right. and, and how could you, your body have been so racked with cancer that, you know, you just keeled over one night because he, he sort of collapsed and went, you know, went to the hospital and was in a coma and never woke up. And so it was like, there was no treatment. It was just, he was gone.
4: That's so Such bad. a tragic, um, sudden loss. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, really tragic. Yeah, so I mean, especially. Well, for I was so young that there, there's only bits and pieces of it. I mean, I remember, I very distinctly remember that night not waking up in my own bed. I remember waking up, not knowing where it was. It turns out I was at a friend's house down the street because my mother was scrambling to, I don't know, get my father to the hospital. And 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 my my friend's grandmother I think came in and was like, you it's okay, you're here, or whatever." Um, but yeah, I don't really remember that much from the, from the, from that period of time. I remember I didn't go to the funeral. I think my mom didn't want me to go to the funeral, but then that she sat Shiva at our house. And I remember it was in the summer and like, uh, family being all around, we had this above ground pool in the backyard and my cousins were like trying to keep me busy and take me swimming and stuff. But it was like, the, the memories are sort of scant yeah. from, from being four years old. Um, so, so yeah, I, probably been processing that my entire of life
2: course. well it's such a wild age for that to happen yeah. every age that you lose someone yeah. is so specific you know is difficult in a different way but 4 you're kind of at the point between consciousness and the point where you have memories and when, when you don't yeah. right like when do we really start you know I know we start re- making memories uh when we're very young but the ones you hold on to right like they start coming in around five or six or something like that so that's a very interesting age
3: Yeah, In some ways, i have sort of like, maybe this is also weird to say, but I I consider myself almost lucky in that Mm -hmm. sense because, uh, you know, I think that I I know people who lost their parents when they were teenagers um, or in their 20s, or my my stepfather, his children, right? Like my stepbrothers and stepsister, my stepsister was 17 or 18 when her mother Mm -hmm. died, and they were incredibly close. And I can't even imagine, like, you know, it's like that seems, you know, way harder than what I went through because to that point, like I have some memories. I remember him teaching me how to swim and certain things like that. But it wasn't like, you know, or I think of my own kids I might have an eight year old and a five year old and an eight year old that's like she's she's there. Yeah. You know, like sure. she's a she's a basically a teenager. Um <laughs> so yeah, I I think It is a weird, it was a weird time, I suppose. It was was like a twilight kind of thing.
2: Right. And it's like, yes, of course. When you lose someone, when you've had, developed a whole relationship with them for decades, you know, it's extremely painful. But I think it's a different thing when you, you know, I don't know, tell me how you feel about this, but not getting the opportunity to make those memories is hard in its own way. Like the imagined reality, you know what I mean? The reality that never happened and stuff like it's. Oh yeah.
3: uh, Yeah. I I was kind of always like grasping straws, right? Um and I was even at a young age like I after that, as I got a little older and started to be able to read and things like that, I was deeply interested in death and the afterlife because I was trying to figure it out and make sense and reading books about it and and you know and I and, and had you know, I, I think especially as a little kid you have these sort of visions like, well, would like maybe he's not dead. Maybe he's actually mm, um, sad. maybe he's out there somewhere, you right. know and like as you get older, you're like, well, that's ridiculous. but um or is it you're six, seven years old? <laughs> I don't know yeah, yeah. so so yeah, I, what I definitely you're saying is that.
4: developmentally, we're at a certain stage, you know, in that preschool age is you know you're just trying to understand life and you you you're right, you don't have that much of a memory. but you know, the other thing about early loss is how the family adjusts to it because it was a trauma. It happened suddenly. And it was, you know, in the night, it was such a, a serious change in your family's life. What do you remember how your mom was able to kind of restore, you know, equilibrium in the house? And I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Like, mm-hmm. um, she was so
3: strong. My mom's such a strong person. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think she just figured out a way to, like, power through it. Not only power through it, but she, she went back to school. So my mother was like... Um, she went to undergrad for for education stuff, but she didn't do that. She wasn't a teacher, and she just did a bunch of different jobs. Like She worked at Newsweek and, different, like I said, admin and different things. Um, and then after my dad passed, she was working at a nursery school, but she went back to night school, mm. got her master's in special education, That's amazing. Um, and then also just like started to try to put her life back together. Um, they were also like, from what I understand, they were like pretty broke, um, so she had like mortgage pay and. A, a, and, and and a mouth to feed and then yes she slowly started to like you know socialize like luckily like my aunt and my uncle her brother and sister were are great and they were super close so like Good. that was really great that they were around and, yeah. and just very supportive of her she had great friends um and then yeah she she must have met my stepdad probably like you know, 12 to 18 months later, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, that was like a really, that really was a supportive group. Like they were all friends. I
4: love that. Um, awesome. I, think there,
3: I think there was like, like dating within the group. Right. It was very That's odd. Um, <laughs> and, and then Hello. like, I don't know, the two of them sort of settled uh, into into this relationship uh, and, and it worked out. Yeah. And um, and they got married uh, when I was seven. So it was yeah a couple, a couple of years later.
4: Is that hard for you to have a, a new person that was dad?
3: A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. In in, yeah. in the beginning, uh, it was like not smooth. Um, mm. and, and he's also my, my stepfather is 15 years older than my mother. Mm. So, so he, my, it was so cool, like getting brothers and sisters, but they were already like, they were in college mm. or, or my stepsister and I had like a tiny bit of overlap, but she was graduating the year I got married. And I think they were kind of like What's going on here? Yeah. You know, like met this woman that's fifteen years younger than than you, and this kid, and like, what are you doing? You're you're fifty. My mom was thirty five. Um, mm. So, uh, and, and in the beginning, for me, I think I was very like, this is not. He's not my dad. Of course. Kind of so that that took a while. That took a while. And he's very my stepfather. We're we're, we're pretty close now. Um, but you know, he's quite different than my mom. He's like very stoic. He's a he's a he's an electrical engineer, a PhD. Brilliant guy, you know, but he's like a I always mix this up. Is he I, he's like a left brain guy, right? And like right, exactly my mom's my mom and I are like right brain people. Yeah. Yes. Um so it's just very opposite in that in, in, in that
4: way. First, you, Sarah, you know, they always say that a family is like a mobile and you know, you get this kind of balance and all of a sudden one piece mm-hmm. of the mobile is yanked away and everything's in disorder yeah. and mm-hmm. out of equilibrium. And then in your case you added a whole bunch of new pieces. So it yeah. must have taken some time yeah. to get that, it back balanced again. That's an interesting metaphor. That's
3: though. for that's certainly true.
4: Yeah. Did your mom have a way of continuing the memory of your dad?
3: Yeah. I mean, she she talked about him all the time, right? Yeah. Um, and luckily, I think my stepfather was, was okay with that and fine with that. And, like, she would tell me stories about him. And, you know, she had all these diaries from when she was a kid and... Um, she like, she, not show me necessarily, but talk about things and and, and her memories because she met my father when he was like when they were eighteen or nineteen. They met yeah. at Weight Watchers. Oh. Um, and, <laughs> That's cute. And, uh, That's yeah, and like you know, um, not not a lot, but like we would go to the um, to to the cemetery, you know, here and there and see him and um, you know, so that was that was nice. So so yeah, no, she did for sure, and like she talked about him. Uh, Not not all the time, but like but but a good amount. So I felt that kind of connection. Yeah,
2: you were mentioning in kind of in our little pre-interview that your mom wasn't necessarily the greatest cook, but that the things (laughs) she made were so deeply entrenched in your memory. And you know, when I was growing up, my mom Bobby was a single mom for a while. Bobby is a fabulous cook, and I learned to cook from her, but. I really related to when you said that just about like the special, like little snacks and little things that are just like really good to you, you know, like, and you're particularly oh, yeah. talking about ketchup, which we can relate <laughs> to loving ketchup in All our right. family because we are ketchup lovers.
3: My <laughs> mom was a massive ketchup lover. I'm, I'm Jewish. My mom grew up in the Bronx. Yeah. Uh, it was like, you know, the end of that, the end of Goodfellas and he's like, I, I went to a place where it was egg noodles and ketchup, yes. Like that's my mom. It was, it was, like she didn't learn about tomato sauce until she met my stepdad. That's amazing. Um, and so, uh, you know, she made a, an amazing meatloaf. Um, she made an amazing tuna casserole. In the meatloaf, she put um, two hard-boiled eggs, which I thought was like I really I love cool. that.
2: We used to do that at Brucie. Um, that's how they, that's like a very traditional oh, way of making meatloaf in Italy, yeah.
3: Yeah, and, and I did not know that because yeah. that's, that was that's interesting but then she also did this thing where she would make mashed potatoes with the meatloaf and then you would mash up the meatloaf the mashed potatoes and ketchup yes. it, like that. it looked off aw- it looked awful Love but it. it was delicious I'm completely my, on board for yeah, that yeah my stepdad was you know, my stepdad was horrified he was like I'm not I'm not doing that um, he ate the meatloaf he ate the meatloaf but he did not do like the mashing together she made um she made like tuna melts like her version of a tuna melt was um, she baked them, so she would make like tuna fish. I ate a lot of tuna fish as a kid. Me too. Um I still like tuna fish. She made like tuna fish and then she'd put it on a like a hamburger bun with Thousand Island dressing and a piece of American cheese and wrap it up in tin foil and then and then bake it in the oven. Yes. Um, so they're like very fluffy. Ooh. Um, uh, and that mm-hmm. was good. She made uh, she made amazing matzo ball soup. So that was actually really good. Yum. Um and it, she made the the matzo balls were like really dense, like a like really they were hard, sinkers. Which I like they're sinkers yeah. uh but people anyone that would have them would be like Ugh. But I, I love them like that um and then she was like a snacker so uh, oh. she's not like the healthiest of eaters my mom um but anything you could snack on she loved like chocolate and ice cream and all that stuff and so she would always be giving me like all kinds of snacks and the one i remember the most is probably uh the way she ate oreo cookies and had me eat oreo cookies was she would pour a glass of milk and she'd put in like five or six Oreos and you'd let them disintegrate and then you would mash it up. And, and it would create like this layer where the top layer you would scoop out was the vanilla and you'd eat that with a spoon. You would drink the chocolate milk in the middle. And then the bottom layer was this like chocolate sludge. it's just unbelievable.
2: <laughs> I love um, that. I love yeah. that. That's so joyful. You know, it's funny. I was talking to someone yeah. earlier today about, I don't know, just like why we do things that we do and about like, life being a hard and it's kind of about these like little moments of joy and these little tiny things you can do. And it just really strikes me as just like, just a little way of capturing like a little bit of joy. Sometimes things are so yeah. hard and dark and just yeah. like a couple, you are know, in a like cave or something and a couple little rays of light yeah. peek in. And that's like one of them just make something that's like fun and delicious. And rem- you remember, when you're doing something, when your mom was making, like, a Oreo milk, like, I'm sure she wasn't thinking, like, someday my son will remember this and then it will, like, conjure this big memory. But yeah. it does. Right. You know beautiful. what I mean? The totally. loving gestures you do of just things that are yeah. so genuine and just, like, come so easily. That's why I'm always, like, on Christmas and holidays and stuff. You know, I, I like buying gifts and I like doing stuff like that. But it's actually, like, these little one-off like things we don't think so much about that we do on a daily basis that are like the big things I think that really stick with people that we love you know you
4: know and I think we create them like you said before the light in the tunnel but it's more like the light we create in the tunnel yeah. You know, cause there isn't always light in the tunnel and then you create it out of some joy in your own heart, some love in your own heart.
2: Yeah. And it's just, yeah. it's interesting because I think a lot of times when people go through traumatic experiences and, and experience loss and are in intense grieving, it seems like the, you know, the goal is so far out of reach, right? Like the top of the mountain of like feeling happy or getting, you know, in some way getting over your grief, which is not a thing, um, is so far away. But in reality, it's like, it's little, it's like small things. It's like, what can I do in a day? Even if it is the smallest thing, even if it is a glass of squishy Oreos,
3: you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. that would be nice. Yeah.
2: And that's like a really sweet, it's a really sweet memory. And your mom sounded like she was amazing and a lot of fun. She, yeah,
3: she, she was. And and it, it's funny you say that. Cause like she, she was a very joyful person. I think anyone that knows my mother would say that about her. Um, but she had a really tough life. I mean, she lost her parents uh, when they were quite a bit younger. She had a really hard time um, just starting her own family, conceiving. She had miscarriages. She had um, a stillborn before mm-hmm. she had me. A lot. Um And so, like, I was always thinking, like, mm-hmm. if, not not as a kid, but when I got older, I was like, "How are you? Like, okay, you know?" Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. There's something about her that there was there was a lot of joy um, in that my mom
4: had. Mm-hmm. And you also had inherited grief in a way because she. When our parents go through grief, we kind of inherit that. I don't know if it's in yeah. ourselves or just in our memory, but well, we it's feel real. It. It's called intergenerational yeah, it's
2: trauma. Yeah, yep, exactly. It like actually it's is, yeah, it's been studied a, a, quite a bit. It's very, it's very intense, and it's interesting how sometimes certain people just it, there's so much they're meant to endure in one lifetime, and it feels so much greater. And you know, I think that's there's been books and novels and movies and poems and albums written about why this must be. And there, I don't know if there's an answer other than randomness, but it's yeah, a, a kind of at the end of the day boils down to how you find a way to cope with it. You know what I mean? Even in the smallest ways, because you know, it's just in a way like the world doesn't care. You know what I mean? It's so cruel. Right. Like the world doesn't care. It's, it's just about
4: how you find a way to care, how you make it kind of good, you know, if you can. It's how you cope, but it's also how the meaning that you make of it. There's a lot discussed now in grief about one of the aspects of grief is making meaning. And so it's making meaning out of the losses. It's making meaning out of your life. It's making meaning out of the instability of loss because you feel very uncertain and insecure when we have loss. Like, what do we trust? You know, particularly as a kid, a kid loses that sense of trusting that when you wake up in the morning, everything's going to be the way it was yesterday. And when you have a loss like you did, Adam, it's it it affects your sensibility of safety. Wouldn't you say?
3: I yeah, I think so. I think yeah. for sure. And now being a parent, uh, you know, especially with my eight year old, um, you know, she, she she asks me about death sometimes, or like, am I going to die? Mm. You know, and that's like such a hard conversation to have because you don't lie. No, of course you're not going to die. Yeah. Um, but I also don't want to like be like, yes, <laughs> you are. You're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be awful. Like, so, um, you know, and they're, you know, they've, they've experienced a little bit of uh, a loss in, in their, or, you know, a bit too. So like there's, it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. You, you're sort of breaking them out of that, um, cocoon of safety. Um, and that's, it's like, it's kind of tragic, you know, it has to happen, but, um, but it's hard to see it as a parent for sure. Mm-hmm.
4: Course, of course, it's really painful. So, you, it seem when you told us a little bit about your life, it seems like you've had accumulative losses. You've had other losses as well.
3: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I lost a really good friend um, in my early twenties. Um, very accident, suddenly right? in a car accident. Yeah, and um, and then uh, and then my mother my mother passed away seven years ago um, from pancreatic cancer, uh, and 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 a really close my my mother's sister's husband, my uncle. Um, passed away, I guess now it's three years ago, two and a half years ago, right before I I have a really hard time with like pandemic time now, like
4: before, before the dark times.
3: (laughs) uh, I think it was September of 2019. So like right before, you know, everything. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of stuck. It's like part of my life, I guess. I I didn't have like all of my grandparents were either dead died before me or my grandmother died when I was like six months old. Um, so yeah, it's sort of like part of my life, I guess, in
4: some, in some way. Mm. So what sense do you make of it? What do you think about, you know, I mean, it's a big, a big question.
3: (laughs) Uh, That's a really big question. I, I, I don't know that I've made like total sense of it. Um, I think one thing I struggle a lot with is just, is, is that I should make sense of it, right? Like, like I should have a purpose, um, I felt like that a lot when I lost my friend because I was, I was in the car. He, he was driving, um, but, but I survived and, and he didn't, right? Wow. He was amazing, my friend Steve. He was like the best. Everyone loved him. And, um, and I thought for a long time, especially being you know, in my early 20s, like I need to live his life now, right? And wow. he was a musician. He was an amazing writer. Um, and so I thought like, I need to take this responsibility to, 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 to not only live my life, but to live his life. Um, which is impossible obviously. Uh, but I don't know. I think it's sort of, it's maybe what you were saying before Zara, it's like finding just trying to have some perspective and find like the, the little pockets of joy. Mm -hmm. Like, like I definitely have all, all the things that a neurotic New Yorker Mm -hmm. with my background would have of anxiety and stress and all that. But I, I try to find the joy. Um, I don't always succeed at it, but, Mm -hmm.
1: um, but I think that like, but, but, but you know, if anything, maybe it's just, like,
3: I take from both my friend Steve, actually, my friend Steve, my uncle Jerry, and my mom mm. all had something in common, which is that they were, like, amazing, warm, loving people. Um, and they were always, like, interested in meeting new people, um, doing new things, experiencing new things. So, like, I take that away from all of them.
2: That's amazing. You know, I have a – it's funny. I was having the same conversation earlier today with the same person I mentioned before. About, I was talking about my own near death accident, and they were asking me about Brucey, the restaurant that I used to own, um, and you know, how Which I loved, by the way. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> um, and we were, I miss it so much. Thank you. Me too. Um, and so we were talking about it, and I was, kind of, she was asking, like, you know, you had no experience. How did you keep, keep it going? How did you do it for that long? And blah, blah, blah. How'd you make it what it was? And I was like, well, I felt like because I almost died in this accident, and that's how I got the money to like open Brucey that I just felt this, like, sense of, like, pressure. And then part of that mm. is good, but, like, I still feel that. And I can connect with you over, like, having survived an accident. I mean, every yeah. thank goodness everybody survived the accident that I was in, but it was so intense. It's, like, a miracle that everyone survived. And I carry that with me even to this day. And sometimes it, like, really works in my favor, and sometimes it, like, really works against me. You know what I mean? Because sometimes oh, I'm, like, I'm, like okay, like I have to like really go for this because I I know how fragile life is. I know how quickly it can all be over. But what I've realized is that not everybody thinks that way. So if you're in a a one-on-one with somebody who maybe doesn't like, you know, have that same perspective and we all know this, right? Like in the back of our minds, but like, I think when you experience it, it's like very much at the forefront. And I've found that if I'm sometimes dealing with someone who doesn't have that shared experience, uh, they're like, whoa, like you know what I mean? Like, hold on. Like, yeah, this yeah. doesn't, why does everything have to be so immediate? I'm like, because the we could be dead. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> come on, people.
3: That's that's true. Yeah. And not everyone has a, that perspective. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I don't feel like, I don't think it's a blessing. No, uh, yeah. I wish that some of these things had not happened for sure. Um, but, and the perspective doesn't, it's not always there. By totally. Like, I, I feel like I have to remind myself that life is short and I get stressed about all the things about family and work and all that stuff. And I try to back myself out of it, but, um, so it doesn't always, it's not, Not always effective. Well, yeah, you're a human.
2: You know what I mean? Like I feel the same way too. Like I, I mean, I'm sitting here waxing about how like you know life is so (laughs) precious, and I have the most grandiose sense of uh, perspective ever. But I definitely don't either. And it is a practice, but it is something you can call on, and it's not something you would never wish for something like that to happen to you or for anyone to pass away. But it's like, I guess it's one of the only. You know, it's one of the good things, one of the positive things of trauma and grief is like, you have an, sure. I always think of it like you have another tool in your toolbox now, you know? Yeah. And yeah, so like, that's definitely true. yeah, like you have another skill or something and the, you don't necessarily want it, but when something else comes up, you're like, oh great. Like I have a screwdriver. I can probably yeah. get out of this, like
4: locked It's something room. to remember. You know, most of those things that we forget, we just have to try, we remember when we forget. <laughs> yeah. That's really yeah. it. So you're right. We yeah. forget about the preciousness of our existence and how Um, how fragile it is. But, you know, from what you tell us, Adam, there were a lot of different traumas in your life, you know, starting with your mom and her traumas before and, and then with your dad's passing and your friend's passing and the accident. And did you find that there was an anxiety out of the trauma that has happened in your life? Oh yeah, for sure.
3: Um, I think so. My mom, I mean, and I think, as you mentioned, like intergender, intergenerational trauma, right? Like, I think I'm very similar to my mom in a lot of ways. And I think uh, she was, as I've mentioned, a very joyful person, friendly, happy, but she was also like a worrier, right? Um, I think she worried a lot about me, right? Because I was, we, we built such a strong relationship and bond because I was her only child and she lost her husband when I was four, all that stuff. She worried about me um, all the time, right? She was she was really good about it. I mean, she wasn't overbearing. She let me do all the things I needed to do, um, but I but I know in the background she worried about it, and I'm a worrier, right? Um, <laughs> you know, if if in, when my wife and family listen to this, look, like, yeah, that's true.
0: That's a <laughs> um, and I have a lot of anxiety
3: and stress, and I'm probably a little bit of a hypochondriac. Uh, all the things, right? So so yes, um, sadly, uh, those 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 things have carried over to me. I would say
4: Well, understandable. Have you found ways? To, what are some of the ways that you have found that help you? Help with that?
3: Um, therapy. I've done therapy uh, on mm-hmm. and off over mm-hmm. the years. Uh, I saw a grief counselor after my friend passed away. Mm. It was incredibly helpful, and I've had a few therapists. I just started going back to therapy um, recently, which I was like looking for. Um, I have. A, I also have like a really bad back, not from the, the accident that I was in, mm. but just uh, I have like herniated discs and all that oh, stuff. No. Um, and so I do a lot of stuff for my body, right. I go to PT twice a week. I do acupuncture. I do, I've done Rolf thing. I've done yoga and swim, all this stuff. And, and I've learned that th- th- there's also like a very much of a, a mind body connection. Like when I'm stressed, when I'm anxious, I actually, my body doesn't feel well. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I've sort of tried to realize that like my, my emotions have to be right for my body to feel right. Right. And so that was one of the, one of the reasons, I mean, I, that I actually really looked into going back to therapy because I was like, I wanted my body to feel better, and totally. I need to like get this, get this, get this like proverbial like weight off of me. Um, so like I, you know, you have to lose weight like physical weight, which I which I try to do, struggle with, but like getting better at. Um, but then you have to lose the like the emotional weight.
4: Exactly. Um,
3: so I try to do that. Again, I'm not like and alcohol. You know, that's helpful yeah. too, and other things like that. But like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's some of the. I find that like you know when I've done when I've been more focused and able to do like, you know, Iyengar yoga and stuff like that, like, uh, I'm, and I'm not, I don't really come from that place. Like I'm not, uh, I've never been, I, I was never into like the, the whole like Eastern medicine thing as mm-hmm. a child. There was like none of that. Right. right. But old, as I've gotten older in life, I found that there's like real practical applications to that kind of
2: totally. stuff. totally mm-hmm. uh, new tools. Yeah. Agreed. So, Adam, I want to know a bit more about your mom because you mentioned that you guys had a really close relationship. And I just, you know, I have a close relationship with my mom, too. And, you know, I lost my dad and that was extremely painful and hard. But, like, I have, like, anticipatory grief even thinking about, like, you know, losing my mom. So. I just want to, you know, I want to hear more about her. And can you just tell us a bit more about, like, what your relationship yeah. was like and losing her and sure. her diagnosis? And um,
3: well. well, her name is Marsha, uh, Marsha Ann. And uh, she she was, I think, 30 when she had me. Um, so it was always easy for me to remember, like, how old she was and how old I was. I just was able to add 30. But, but yeah, like I said, I mean, we... I don't know. We were just, we were just like very close. She was, she was so loving and like so open with that. Right. Um, I'll try not to get too emotional, mm-hmm. but like she was, she was the kind of mom, like she, she did work um, when I was younger. And then when she married my stepdad, she was able to um, step back a little bit. So she, she, you know, she, she's was, she was the kind of, she was like the, all of the things that I did. Right. So like growing up, I played sports, I played soccer, I played lacrosse, I also tried wrestling and basketball, all the things. And like, she went to everything, mm. right? Uh, and I was in plays and theater and chorus, and she went to everything, right? My dad went to a lot of it. My stepdad went to a lot of it too, actually. But but as I mentioned, she was a she was a worrier, right? And this was like a sort of one funny thing that I like to say. Like she was um, this is also pre you know iPhones or even like MapQuest. So when I had a, like a game that was far away in high school, it was like Rocky Point or Stony Brook or something like that she would do like a dry run either the day of or the, or the day before. She's be like, oh, I drove out to Rocky Point today just to make sure I don't get lost because she has a terrible sense of direction. That's um, sweet. And so like, there's stuff like that. And, uh, and she was incredibly close with, as I mentioned, my, her sister and her brother, my aunt and uncle. And, and she had a best friend, Sandy, um, who she saw all the time. And she was like on the phone every night with somebody. Like one of her friends, mm. like she was just a, a she was like she was like social before bef- pre social media. <laughs> she had like, you know, like tight connections, loose connections, um, and she was also the person you know. And I've, I I kind of do this, but maybe not to her extent. But like if you were next to her at the aisle the supermarket, like at the checkout counter, like you were t- she was. Talking. <laughs> I love. She was like, oh, what's that? Like, what You're what good. are you getting? You know, and like she just would strike up. Calm. She was so friendly. Um, and like disarmingly so I think. Um, and, and yeah, like, like I feel like any of my, because I'm luckily, um, I'm really grateful that like, I'm some of my best friends are my best friends from that time. Mm. Like my, my best friends are, a lot of them are still my friends from when I was growing up. And, uh, and they're all like, yeah, your mom's, she was awesome. (laughs) She was Mrs. I, uh, and like they loved hanging out and also cause she gave all of them a lot of snacks. Like, <laughs> you had the best snacks. That's um, awesome. That's so, yeah.
4: wonderful.
2: She sounds really amazing. And so she passed away seven years ago. Yeah. Of pancreatic cancer.
3: Was yep. it a long time yep.
2: from diagnosis to when she passed?
3: It was f- 15 months, yeah. I think. Um, so for, for, for stage four pancreatic cancer, yes. Mm. Um, you know, I, I know you've had some other guests on the show, and I've subsequently like met a lot of people who who lost people to pancreatic cancer. It's usually incredibly fast, yeah. right? It's like you 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 by the time you find out, it's too late, yeah, right. Which is the, which is probably what also feeds into my hypochondria, like. Um, yeah. But but yeah, she um, well, she was she she was diagnosed like maybe ten years earlier with uh, type two diabetes, mm-hmm. which um, is can be a precursor mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. should her gallbladder removed when she was younger. I learned that can also mm. be a precursor to it. Um, so she was, you know, fine w- with all those other th- things I mentioned. And then, yeah, I, I had been on a, uh, a business trip and she didn't mention it at all. And then I came back, uh, and I talked to her on the phone she's like, ah, oh, I want to let you know something like, I just haven't been feeling well. Like I haven't been doing well. And, uh, and, like I, my back's been really hurting, and I've been like losing weight. I'm not hungry, and then lately I've I, I've gotten jaundiced, right? So they think maybe I have like pancreatitis, or they don't know whatever. Uh, and then she's like, "I'm going for like some tests on Monday or Tuesday or something like that." And uh, and and I remember actually, this is, I remember my wife actually was pregnant with our with our oldest daughter at the time. We hadn't told them yet, and I remember the day really well because we went to, we went for like one of the big scans or something like that in the city. And that's when we found out mm-hmm. the, 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 the sex, we found out it was a, a girl. And I remember for whatever reason, knowing my mom was going to test and knowing it was serious, but I, I didn't think that it was cancer, but like, I knew it was something big. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to Long Island to be with them and figure it out. And, uh, it was awful. Cause like on the way out there, actually I took the train, but my uncle was going out too, cause he was already out there we were going over to the hospital together and my dad called me he's like, are you, are you coming? And I said, yeah. And, and he's like, are you, are you alone? And I was like, no, I'm with uncle Jeff. He's like, oh, okay. I don't think you shouldn't be together. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, just, just get here, oh. you know? And like, and that's when they sort of said like, yeah, we think this is pancreatic cancer. Mm. Um, and then it was this like two day ordeal because they weren't sure they could do a biopsy, whatever. Like, I think I kind of knew, I was like, okay, this is it. And I didn't know anything about pancreatic cancer at the time either. So
4: What a juxtaposition of your, what your pregnancy, you know, your wife having a baby and finding out it's a girl and finding out about your mom on the same day. So powerful. It was crazy. Yeah.
3: And my dad, my stepdad, um, he, (laughs) he's funny. He knew, he knew that, um, my wife was pregnant. Um, because like we we had all gone away as a family, like two weeks earlier up to Boston where some of our cousins Mm -hmm. live. And, uh, that, I don't know, like the next day. He's, he's like, when are you going to tell your mom that uh, Kim's pregnant?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" You know? And he's like, "He's like, I know she's pregnant." And I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Oh, she didn't feel well last night. You're doing this. you And I was like, "Oh god." <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, minute. You know I can't talk to mom about it yet because we need to go through. Like, it's not time." You know? And 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 so then when we got the diagnosis that day about the pancreatic cancer, my dad, was, my stepdad, was like, "You need to tell her. She needs some good news." Aww. So um, I had this, and it's like sad, but there's a picture of her in the hospital cause she's holding the, the, uh, the sonograms, but she's like yellow, you know, from the jaundice. Cause and so she was like, you're not great. And she was like really upset, but I was like, well, I have some good news. Mm. Um, and we told her that night that we were pregnant and then, and she, to her credit, she was like, <laughs> she was like, I'm, I'm going to see that kid. Mm. So
2: <laughs> that's so cinematic. And it's so, in, it's, it's an incredible juxtaposition of just like, God, yeah. like how life is so fucking
4: weird. <laughs> it's yeah. so, the yin yeah. and the yang, the bitter and the sweet, the heaven and the hell. Yeah. All I always talk about this. Andy Warhol had a he has a photo, a picture, painting, and it has heaven and hell just matched right up against each other, just yeah. smack. You know these two, these two things that are just so close and so far away, and just really yeah. something.
3: Yeah, and and she did. She did. Not only did she see our daughter be born, she made it. She died. Um, like a, a week after her first birthday.
4: So, oh. hmm.
3: so she, she made it all the way through that first year. And she was like, I was, it was, I can't even believe it now that I'm talking about it, that it was the same year. It doesn't feel real or the same time period, but like she, she was, she loved it. She was like, it, it was, it was, it was a blessing that that happened at the same time because she was so happy to be a grandmother, mm. you know? Yeah.
2: Oh, I'm so sorry for for the loss of your mom. And, you know, we have a very close oh, family you. friend who's like a second mom to me who's been on the show, Kathy Bodley. She has had oh, yeah, ca- pancreatic cancer <laughs>
4: for a while. Yeah, a couple of years oh, now, really? yeah. it's, it's going really... over two years now. And she's plan- wow. planning on hanging around for a while, but we'll see. That's good,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's... Uh, and luckily, there's like so much more that you can do now. Not, not Like, there's we were trying to get, we were getting into all these trials and like all these things. And like, it didn't work for her, but, um, I'm hopeful that it's getting yeah. to a better place and where you can even detect it earlier and stuff like that.
4: I understand that you're raising money for you for pancreatic cancer. How, how has that been?
3: Oh, well, I d- Yeah, I do. Um, every year, uh, either my birthday, so she, my mother died. I'm going to get these dates wrong. I, I think, January fifth, my birthday is January 11th. so it's like they're right by each other. So, so every year around that time, whether it's on the on the anniversary of her death or on my birthday, I just will use like you know Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that and raise money for uh, the two I tend to raise money for: Pan Can and and the Lustgarten Foundation because I like Lustgarten because it's uh, uh, Long Island based, also, right? Um, which is nice, and uh, you know the the the, the 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 fundraisers I was doing just ended. Um, but, but over the years, it's been amazing. I mean, like probably raised like tens of thousands of dollars, oh, awesome. it, which that is totally really nice. And, but also, but honestly, it's a testament to her because like my point, the thing I was writing these posts is like, if you knew my mom, like just do it, you know, she'd appreciate that. For sure. And like people always, people always step up. So, so that's really nice. But yeah, people, you know, people are, you're interested, they should definitely donate to those two organizations. They do a, a lot of amazing work.
2: That's incredible. So. I mean, I'm curious to know about like after your mom passed. Like did, you mentioned when your dad passed, that you guys sat shiva. Did you sit shiva mm-hmm. for your mother as well?
3: Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah. we like? did. Um, we did it uh, in a couple of locations actually because we uh, we did it, we did shiva in three different locations. Mm-hmm. We did we did it at her um, her house in Centerport, at my stepdad's house. We did it and that was one day, the day of the funeral. We did it one, one or one or two days in my apartment in Brooklyn. And then we did it at one or two days in my aunt's apartment in the, in the West Village. Um, because there were so many different people that like knew her in different parts of her, her, her life. Um, and, uh, yeah, show was a weird thing. It, it's, 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 um, it's incredibly helpful, right. In that, like, you, people take care of you and you get to eat all this great food. Um, and luckily I love smoked salmon and bagels and and all that stuff. And, uh, and, 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 and in some ways it's, it's like almost joyful because you get to just see all these people. Like there's a lot of people I saw that I had like hadn't seen in years, friends I hadn't seen in a while or people that I didn't even know. They're like, Oh, I saw you when you were a baby. Um, but it also is, it just sort of delays, um, things. Right. Like, there's so much going on and there's so, Oh, we have to like figure out what we're going to do tomorrow. And then we're going to move things around. And I remember that like, it felt like the real, um, you know, process of grieving didn't start until that was all done. Yeah. Um, so, so, but it was, but I, I can see how it's like a useful, uh, sort of like necessary thing to get you started on that, on that path.
4: It's interesting. We never, we talk a lot about Shiva, um, and we never really heard anybody say it quite like that you know it's people come to help care for the family and they take care of you but the fact that it delays the process you can compartmentalize in a way everything you have to do and for a while just rest you know yeah. it's really a nice thing yeah yeah
2: yeah it's a very interesting kind of tradition um peter actually from shelsky's came on uh, one of our early episodes to talk about shiva
3: as Deliver a, the shiva. Yeah, yeah great, the expert. <laughs> Deliver the shiva. That's good. So they must do a, br- a brisk business. He yeah, right. has,
2: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm Um So yeah, Adam. Kind of you know at the end, as we towards the as we near towards the end of every episode, we like to ask everyone the same question, which is, uh, if you could have given your younger self some advice and at whatever, and it's you know obviously you have so many kind of different points in your life where grief affected you and lost but like whatever wherever your mind goes you know stream of consciousness but if you could have told yeah. your one your younger self something giving your younger self a bit of advice knowing what you know now having been through this process what would that be
3: yeah i thought about this a lot because i have listened to some of your shows i'll give you well i'll, just, I'll get actually give you very practical advice okay. um and this is specific to my mother and you can only do this obviously if someone has a has a chronic long-term illness. Um, but someone gave me this piece of advice which I didn't quite follow and I regret not following it. But a, a, a friend and former colleague of mine also had a parent that went through pancreatic cancer and he called me in the beginning and he said, uh, get a video, get a tape recorder and talk to your mom on it and like get as much down as you can. And um, and I, I did that but very late when she was like not doing well. And it was actually when I tried doing it, like, when she was uh, on a lot of pain medication and she was, like, a little bit loopy. And I wish that I had done it earlier. I think that I had sort of in my head been like, that's this final thing that's accepting that you're going to die and I don't want to do that. Um, But I wish that I did because um, I think that would have been a really amazing gift, not only for me but for my kids. Yeah. And, and, like, my kids, like, I have – Done. I have a lot of traditions with them around her and I show them pictures and and they amazingly do feel connected to her, which even my younger daughter who never met her. Um, but it would be really great if I could sort of like pull up some videos of her talking about her childhood and her life and the things that she loved. And like, um, so, so yeah, I mean, you can't do that all the time, obviously, but, um, if you can, I would say get over this, you know, fact of like, Look, maybe you do it and the person ultimately does survive, and that's amazing. And the videos will still be great Absolutely. and meaningful. Yep.
1: Um,
3: But, like, do that because I, I wish that I had, I had uh, done that quite a bit more. That's yeah.
1: wonderful.
2: I wish, actually, in thinking about my dad, too, who, like, died over kind of a longer period of time, but also of cancer. I wish I had done that, too. I wish I had even thought of yeah. it. It's such a good idea. And it's funny because, actually, mm. my dad used to come to all my sports things and all my plays and everything. And he would always videotape, take video of me and I (laughs) before he died. He got them converted to DVD. So I got to watch some of them. And it's mostly like me clinging, like for instance, on a horse, trying to ride a horse, but being too gangly (laughs) to get up on it. So I'm like (laughs) dangling off the side of it, trying to get on. And someone boosts me up or like clinging to the wall, trying to ice skate or like, you know playing lacrosse and getting like hit in the face with a ball so but yeah it's it would have been (laughs) wonderful that's a really great um it's a really great thing and it's it's important actually really important advice because I had I have similar feelings of things I wished I did or missed out on because it's so it's so hard and especially when in those kind of final times when you're really accepting it it's so hard you're like you have so much so many other feelings other than just right. sadness you know i had a lot of anger yeah. when my dad was finally mm-hmm. dying i was so mad cuz he like didn't attend to like his bills and i for some reason yeah. really focused on that i don't know why i mean why well, do not now obviously i was trying to avoid other feelings but yeah yeah capturing someone for who they were in in those times it's it's brave it's hard that's very hard yeah, yeah. you want to hold on to work. every
4: little morsel every little yeah, sweet nice. drop
2: that's really nice. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. had a guest one time, Lisa Cole Rowland, and she spoke to us about some beautiful episode. She spoke to us about losing her husband in a really tragic accident. Oh. And she said that after oh. it's going to make me sad to even say it, when she, after he passed, she went to the pillow and collected his hairs, like little hairs that she'd find and save them. You know what I mean? And like, even oh, like, yeah. I know, uh, It's so touching, but just finding the little kind of tokens of people, even when it's hard, even when it's really painful, it's so.
4: They become treasures. Yeah, it is. At first, they're hard to think about and look at, but then they become treasures. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We did one one thing we did do, which uh, I have to probably get new batteries for them, but we got these books that were um, like read along uh, children's books. Mm. So she like recorded uh reading you know like all oh, the places you'll go and oh like that's wonderful
2: that's amazing for my daughters that's
3: so and like sweet. that's really cool and like that's not in- intended necessarily for for uh, you know so you're, someone you're gonna lose yeah. it's just like right. for grandparents to do for their kids but it's really cool yeah. and, like, we did that and they like that but I, I sort of yeah like I had this I went through this whole process where like I saved every voicemail on my mm-hmm. phone for my mom right to like some file and I was like, I need to, I need these, you know? And then when you listen to them, she's like, hi, are you coming over? You know, it's like not, there's nothing special yeah, about them. Yeah, but like, I was yeah, like, yeah. I need, I need yeah. to make sure that I have her voice somewhere. Totally. You know?
2: Yeah. I actually just the other day just called my dad's number. Cause like I got good news and I was just like, I'm just going to call this. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> well, my, it's, it's funny, my, my, uh, on my cell phone, my, when I call my stepdad, uh, the the number on the phone, I still keep it as mom. Yeah. And like, I won't, I won't
2: change it. Yeah. Right. So. Oh, the things we do. Yeah. (laughs) So also, as you know, as a listener, a question we ask everyone is if we were going to get to share a meal together, what would it be? And I just want to say, I don't want to forget to mention something very important is that, and we kind of touched on it in the beginning of the show. You said you're a lifelong fan of the Mediterranean snack bar. Another fabulous. Oh yes. Long Island institution, a Greek, Diner that is the I think I think we all can agree the Greek diner of all diners. So you said that your friend
3: because I lo- I love was, it I love me too. it it's not open anymore right but or is it oh the yeah they changed. Changed. they changed it it's a parrilla the exactly they the change they change owners okay got it
2: so but you said that your friend was partial to Scorpios he
3: was my friend Steve my friend Steve mm. passed away mm. I don't know why he he was Greek <laughs> yeah like, liked the he liked Scorpios too but not anymore yeah yeah he. uh I don't know. I don't know why, but I think he likes Scorpios more for some reason, which which was a point of contention. Mm. His mom made amazing Spanakopita, makes amazing Spanakopita, so that was always like a
4: treat. Yeah, him. I know what um, I want to bring yeah. to the feast, if I can t- say first. Yes, yeah, this morning it. I woke up at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I made a wow. giant pot of Avagolamano soup. <gasps> yeah. uh, I did. I made it because I have a friend who's having surgery next week, and I wanted to make her something special, and I love to make that soup. So if it's okay, I'd like to bring that in, yes, honor, please. Of, yes, in honor of Steve that and in great. honor of the Mediterranean Snack Bar and in honor of my friend, Heather. That sounds great. Well,
3: you have, I've had your Avigolamina soup, Zara, yes. and it's amazing. Thank you. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure yours is just she, as good. She as taught you. me
4: how to make it. <laughs> <laughs> so.
2: Um, Okay, I'm going to bring a giant Greek salad that would be like, you know, the one that I try to mimic from Mediterranean, which I don't know, theirs will always be better. But I think the key to their Greek salad that makes it so good, tons of herbs in the lettuce mix, and also shaved carrots in the lettuce mix, which I've always thought carrots are cheesy to put into a salad, but it turns out I'm wrong. They're delicious. They work. They like sop up the dressing. They have like a nice texture. So I would bring a gigantic Greek salad from Mediterranean dressing on the side. And a bottle of ketchup okay. in honor of your mom. <laughs> and a bottle of ketchup.
3: Um, well, let's see. What would I bring? My mom. Well, she loves seafood. Um, I would say. I mean, she loved lobster, but I don't know if that really goes with this meal. But what about shrimp? She loved shrimp Amazing. too. So, like any kind of like jumbo shrimp <gasps> or Greek shrimp
4: Ooh, oregano, or yes. um,
3: yeah. Yum. yeah. Yeah. So let's. I'll do that. Okay. I'll bring that. That
2: sounds great. Oh my gosh, I would. I would love that. We'll have some ouzo afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Uzo. Um, Adam, what a wonderful conversation. And like, you know, I, I, we say this sometimes, but it's really so true that like, it's such a heavy lift. It's an emotional heavy lift to come on, you know, and talk about this stuff. And it's not just like, you know, a 45 minutes or an hour. It's like thinking about it and talking about it and then, you know, having it being stirred up afterwards. And it's just very generous. Um, like, really, really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about this. And
3: no, I Course, and I just appreciate you both having me, Zara and Bobby. It's it's amazing what you're doing, and um, I really appreciate it. And I, like I said, yeah, I, I, to 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 prepare for this show, I've listened to many of them, and they're just they're so wonderful, and like they're really helpful. So yeah, thank you, thank you. It's been yes, so wonderful
4: to spend time with you and with Marsha and Steve and yeah. all the people who you love and your daughters. You. You're a your very wife. strong human,
2: <laughs> and strong and kind, and just also very warm. And so obviously your mom's best qualities have rubbed off on you.
4: I appreciate
3: that. All
2: right, Adam, thank you so much. All right,
3: thanks.
4: Take care. Bye.
1: Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's central coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com.
2: Thank you so much for joining us for Processing. We realize that sharing these types of deeply intimate stories on air is a very personal decision. We began this project as a way to connect our listeners through shared experiences and storytelling. We hope that processing can be a platform for sharing, learning, and healing. We appreciate our guests' willingness to be vulnerable and value nothing more than making both our guests' and listeners' experiences with our show positive and progressive. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or writing in a listener letter, please email processing at heritageradionetwork.org. Please follow us at processing_podcast podcast on Instagram. driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.